And I want to introduce this rhythm to you because if you can grab a hold of this rhythm, then you're going to start to understand a deeper way to partner with the unfolding mission in your life. Now, I don't want to offer this as a prescriptive process that you can just take these steps and make yourself go somewhere. Instead, you actually are learning to cooperate with what is unfolding. Phase one or rhythm number one is just this. You hear, feel, or see something. That's it. You hear, feel, or see something about who you are, about what you do. It's, it's this, you're living your life and you have a new thought. Now, the way most people experience something like this is they're in the shower or they get out of the shower and they've been disconnected from consciously going through the choice of their behavior. And so their mind can switch into this deeper knowing and this deeper sensing. Maybe you've been having an argument with somebody in your head and then that argument kind of flushes out of you and you have this thought, Ooh, I need to check up on this person. I need to go do this. I need to, you know, whatever. When you learn to hear that, when you learn to feel it, when you learn to see it and, and it's going to show up, the more open you are, it's going to show up in all three of those. You tend to have one stronger than the other ones as you start to really pay attention to this process. But like when I started what I'm doing right now, full time, six years ago, I had already been doing it on the side for a few years. But when I started doing it full time, like true story, man, I had to sell a car to get operating expenses for a couple of months. You know, how do you start something out of nothing? And it really was something out of nothing because we completely changed, uh, if I could talk about it in these terms, it's not how I thought about it then. We completely changed like the go-to-market strategy because uh, I was focused in a domain and there was nothing happening. And I knew just this deep knowing woke up one morning, January, 2015. And I could just, I could feel it like, Chris, you're focused in the wrong place. Focus here. And then that's when the momentum started developing. And then locally we built a strong brand and presence because one day this, thought hits me, ooh, I should go to this one location and start doing all my meetings there and established a brand and a presence. How do these things hit you? Well, you're, you're in a place that you're living your life and then this thought or this feeling or something you hear shows up. Here's the problem with so many people. They're so disconnected from hearing that or seeing that or feeling that, it blows right past them. The number of times I've sat with a CEO or a business owner who is leading a business and they're doing it because they needed to get their mom off their backs because it made their dad happy. You know, all of these compounding effects. So sometimes it's a small thing, follow up, check up on this person. Sometimes it's a big thing. It's the small and the big moments. Sometimes it shows up like this. I just have to do this and I can't explain it, but I have to try it even if it fails. I mean, <laughs> I would say in like, probably 2013, 2014, as I'd been doing site shift for a few years and was building things. I remember telling somebody, you know, I'm not going to do stuff online. I'm not going to do stuff online. And here I am. If you have this sense ever, like this should exist, a conversation, a moment, a book. Remember, it's being iconic in your world. When something shows up in you and you're like, this should exist. I need to talk about with this person. I want to check in on this. I need to make this thing. I need to create this content. The limbo moments are happening in big and small ways continually. And when we lean into them, they become leadership moments. And that's where life happens. So it could be a signal. It could be an urge. It could be a fascination. It could be a turn of events, the circumstances of your life. Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth or the face. You can't recognize where 
the calling, the mission, the spirit, the daemon, whatever you want to call it, interrupts you until you already have a plan. But when the plan is there and it gets interrupted, you're paying attention to that. I have this firm conviction that for us to wake up from our mediocrity and not be driven by hype, every moment around us is sacred. Every moment has a wholeness to it or a holiness to it, even the dark moments. And it's our job just to see what is happening, to to feel, to hear. You say, but what if my feelings are telling me to do something, like quit something I've been persisting in? What if my feelings are trying to distract me or lead me astray? Well, that's the second phase. After you see, hear, or feel something, the second phase, you discern what's really going on. You can't discern it until you accept it. Just because you accept it doesn't mean you have to act on it. But by accepting it, you can start to discern it. So you take a step and you pay attention. Or you're in what we talked about in day one, a moment of discontent, disappointment, or disillusionment. And that creates this desperation. What starts to happen when you're in the discerning phase, an unlearning occurs. What, what, what are we unlearning? Well, I want to live in my life with a capital M sense of mission in all I do. But that doesn't happen until I start to learn that I have entangled who I am into what I do, that I have fused those together. Hey, go back with me in that moment when I'm in the car and I'm 18 years old. And what if you're supposed to preach? What if I want you to preach? And I go, you tattoo that on my chest with a lightning bolt. At 18, something clicked in me. I, I didn't even care about school. I didn't care. I, I, I mean, I literally, no vision, no purpose, no mission. And then something changed in me. And I was passionately obsessed. Like, obsessed. Everything became in my life about being at my absolute best and prepared and performing at my best. Some of that was healthy. Some of that was unhealthy. I couldn't see that then. About training, about activating. I can say what woke up in me at 18 hasn't gone to sleep. Now it's died. It's been reborn in multiple ways. It's been through many, many iterations. There are times it wanted to nod off and I had to prop it up or I had to carry it along or I had to drag it. <laughs> but what I can say to you right now as I sit here with you, I can look back now and and I could at 30. At 30, when things started to unravel and I started to learn how to separate who I am from what I do, I could look back at that moment when I was 18 and go, oh my gosh, that really was about three things happening there. One, my own sense of hype. Because of the dramatic events that were happening in my dad's life and his leadership at that time, what was I trying to do? Step in and rescue him. And I did. I mean, I spoke, I stood up, and it galvanized a movement that was a complete crazy time for about a month, and he was able to stay as the leader. But I didn't know the difference between taking an action out of conviction, and it's the overflow of who I am, and it's not my ego, it's the intuition, it's, there's a purity to it, and I'm taking this step out of hype, and I want to feel good, and I want to rescue. Do you know how powerful it is when I can work with people, or our coaches can work with people, and we help them know the difference? between being driven to their mission by hype and ego for what they can get out of it versus what they can give to it. So I look back at that moment when I'm 18 and I know now, one, I was caught up in some hype. 
I got to rescue my dad. Number two, the second thing that I know is, and, and I don't say this to wound him in any way, but we, we didn't have a lot of time together when I was in high school. We weren't close. And by me taking the path he was on and becoming a pastor, we got close. A part of that moment was about me wanting to be close to him. It was the third thing in that moment. The third thing in that moment was something pure that I couldn't discern, that I couldn't understand. Because again, the 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 revelation for me, don't be scared by that word, that revelation for me was about to preach, not to pastor. I confused all that stuff. What am I doing here with you now? Man, can I get an amen? I'm doing some preaching, right? But not in the way that I would have thought about it at 18 or 21 or 28 or 30. It's just not where I live anymore. I don't track that way. I don't think that way. I'm here to bring a message of how you can find a sense of unfolding mission in your life and search the history books, search the traditions. There are two kinds of people, those that live with this and and know it and culture it and develop it and activate it. Some of them are unhealthy. Some of them are very healthy and they have a healthy relationship with who they are. And then others that their eyes go dull and they lose their spark and they lose their vision. So for me, what's happening in this discern phase is you start to disentangle. You validate the voice of your intuition, what's happening within you, but you haven't yet learned to hone and train it. And that's the next phase. So phase one, we hear, see, or feel something. Phase two, we discern what's going on. Phase three, we refine. So we're, we're honing and training our intuition. You know, more gets revealed about who we are. I promise you, whatever you think of as yourself, like let's say you conceive of who you are as a person like this, suffering and experiences and, and learning to do a deep dive into who you are, your, your what we call identity. It's more than your mission and your roles. It's more than your community and your relationships. I promise you, when you learn how to explore the vast expanse and wilderness that is you, you start to expand. And it's not that maybe necessarily that you're expanding as much as you're becoming aware. You are an infinite playground and there is no edge. How does somebody hold space for a relationship where somebody betrays them? Or how does somebody become the leader they were meant to be and they transform people's lives? They, they expand. They get a heart as big as a stadium. Their capacity grows. And they're not tricked by the narrative of, the, of their mind, the hype. And we don't settle for a diminishing return. We avoid both of those ditches we talked about in day two. Why? Because we're being refined. Now, part of the way the refining ha happens, as you learn to pay attention to the unfolding mission in your life, is usually in this phase, there's some step to commit to publicly. Now, it could be, again, these small moments, knocking on your uh, the door of your um, son's bedroom. Hey, can we talk? It could be texting the person, person on your team that you're starting to think about and you want to ask something. For me, it's showing up here and doing this event with you. <laughs> There's something about doing this event that's gotten my legs back underneath me in a way of publicly committing and then doing it that has activated so much vision for me for the rest of the year. So thank you for being a part of that. This is where in, in the refining, you're iterating. You're getting to the insights of who you are and it's from beyond the ego. And... and I'm not always sure where it comes from. I can describe it psychologically. I can describe it in terms of brain science. I can use different worldviews or narratives throughout human history that have described it. 
but all of it comes together to this beautiful relationship between maybe the easiest way to say it is the left and the right brain. The left brain is is the drive and the intensity and the egoic part of who we are. And the right brain is this relaxed part, this clarity, this deep knowing, this sensing. And when we learn not to overemphasize one or the other, but to get them in right relationship, it brings the flow, which is the fourth phase. The fourth phase, which is play. So as you've learned to receive in your right brain, your intuition, the voice, the spirit, the calling, the direction, the deep knowing, you know, uh, Socrates, what he shouldn't do, Aristotle, what he would do, what he should do. As we bring that and we bring the left brain and we increase our ability to discern and to pay attention and to disentangle who we are from what we do so that we don't trick ourselves by hype and we don't get stuck in mediocrity, we get into a rhythm and a relationship where we enjoy the clarity and the intensity.